At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal, develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com since 1936, the National Wildlife Federation has worked with hunters and anglers to pass the most important conservation laws in American history and to protect our sporting traditions. This podcast explores our history, our values, and the work we do to safeguard the fish and wildlife that fuel our passions. We are NWF Outdoors. The NWF Outdoors podcast is brought to you by Hunt to Eat, an inclusive hunting apparel company with a focus on community, real food, and conservation. Check out Hunt to Eat's NWF line, wild game recipes, and hunting and fishing designs at hunttoeat.com and enter the code WILDLIFE10 to get 10% off your order. All right, welcome to the NWF Outdoors podcast today. My name is Aaron Kindle. I'm your host, along with my co-host, Drew Youngdike. Today, we are bringing you a very special edition. We have the privilege of having two CEOs of two of the leading conservation organizations in the United States on today. Our CEO, Colin O'Mara, from the National Wildlife Federation, and the CEO of the Congressional Sportsman's Foundation, Jeff Crane. Welcome, gentlemen. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. I'm going to give uh, a quick bio of, of these two fellas, and then uh, we're going to do our traditional start where we ask what everybody's been up to outside, because, of course, this is the NWF Outdoors podcast, and we like to talk about what people are up to out in the woods. Uh, so first, we'll start with Colin. Colin is the president and CEO of the National Wildlife Federation, the largest conservation organization in America with 52 state and territorial affiliates. We represent about 6 million hunters, birders, anglers, gardeners, hikers, all kinds of folks. Uh, and Colin has served on things like the Hunting and Shooting Sports Council. He is the former uh, lead of the Delaware Department of Natural Resources and Environmental Council from about 2009 to 2014. He's done all kinds of amazing conservation work across the country for many years. We're lucky to have him. Uh, Mr. Jeff Crane is the president of the Congressional Sportsman's Foundation. He's been working in conservation for about 40 years. He's a lifelong outdoorsman. He's uh, been really incredible on a lot of our issues that we've been working on. He's worked a lot with the National Sport Assembly of Sportsman's Caucuses, uh, the Congressional Sportsman's Caucus. He's been uh, the chairman of the Hunting and Shooting Sports Conservation Council. He's worked all across the legislature with many leaders. Uh, he's a Boone and Crockett member and a member of the Government Affairs Committee of the Safari Club. Just really varied background, and we're, we're lucky to have both of you. Thanks for joining. Again, thanks. Appreciate it. 
One of the things we wanted to bring them on today for is to talk about the work that the two organizations have been doing together, which is really kind of a unique um, memorandum of understanding uh, in, in ways that, that we've worked together on different issues. And that working together has actually resulted in a recent award from the Association of Fish and Wildlife Agencies. Aaron, what was that award all about real quick? We'll get to that later in the episode as well. Sure, and I'm going to do something, as I told these guys before we started, that I would never normally do. I'm going to read just a handful of sentences because I think the Association of Fish and Wildlife Agencies summed this up as good as anybody could. And I'll start here, and, and people will understand it very well after this. And I quote, No two individuals have been more instrumental in mustering support for the Recovering America's Wildlife Act than Colin O'Mara, President and CEO of National Wildlife Federation, and Jeff Crane, president of the Congressional Sportsman's Foundation. To most in the professional conservation arena, the Recovering America's Wildlife Act represents the most significant and ambitious policy objective in a generation. NWF, under Colin O'Mara's leadership, maintains one of the most diverse affiliate networks in the conservation community, from traditional stakeholders in the hunting and fishing communities to birders and environmental organizations. NWF has leveraged their organizational strength to bring a ready-made, diverse coalition able to tell the story of Rawa from each of their unique lenses. And then for nearly 20 years, Jeff Crane has been at the helm of the Congressional Sportsman's Foundation. Despite many political headwinds and a largely divided government, Jeff has been a champion for building and guiding bipartisan support for a number of important conservation policies. With respect to Rawa, Jeff has again proven himself a master coalition builder, working with his staff to help secure vital support among members of Congress. So that ought to give you a good overview of, of why folks decided to nominate these two gentlemen, and, and we'll dive in here. So first, we, uh, we, we really wanted to talk just about our organizational histories. Uh, obviously, when we bring on the leaders of, of two different organizations, we like to hear what they're all about, how they got started, what they're working on. And let's start with you, Jeff. Can you just give us a little overview of the Congressional Sportsman's Foundation and how it got started and what it aims to do? Sure. I'd be happy to. So uh, it came about in 1989 uh, when a bipartisan group of congressmen decided to create a bipartisan Congressional Sportsman's Caucus. And as we know, there are caucuses all over the hill for all kinds of myriad of, of causes and and just self-identifying, but there was no such thing as a sportsman's caucus. They quickly realized that to be really an effective caucus, they needed a, a, a liaison between the, the, the greater outside conservation sportsman's world and the caucus, and the foundation was born. And really, for the first probably 15 years, our, our sole focus was working with this bipartisan caucus. In the interim now 30-plus years, it's grown to the largest, most active bipartisan caucus with leadership in the House and Senate, uh, and they really are truly champions of stuff that uh, um, that we care about as, as as hunters and anglers and as conservationists. Um, and so, and if I can just segue for a half a minute, then in 2004, uh, realizing that a lot of the wildlife management decisions were being made at the state level having no parallel kind of a, uh, a network, uh, we launched something called the National Assembly of Sportsmen's Caucuses um, to create a, a network, an umbrella organization to capture all these state uh, state caucuses and have 
um, state caucuses in all 50 states now. And then finally, the kind of third leg of the stool was a bipartisan governor's caucus, uh, which was launched in 2009. And we're now up to 27 of the 50 sitting governors that sit in that. And, uh, key, key thing, bipartisan, bipartisan, because conservation is not a partisan issue. And, and to get things done, we got to find that good middle ground. And so, yeah, I'm really fortunate. I, as you introduced me, I'm an avid uh, sportsman. You can see few of, few of my taxidermy things here. I love to be outside. And so it's a, it's a great opportunity to work on something I passionately care about. So a little long-winded, but I hope that covers it for you guys. That, that was great, Jeff. And I've, I've had the pleasure um, during my career to be able to attend several of your uh, state caucus, sportsman's caucus uh, events in Michigan. Um, and actually this morning, I was actually on a panel where one of the Michigan state representatives, um, state representatives for the state of Michigan, not the university, uh, right. <clears throat> was on that same panel. We were talking about the economics of hunting in Michigan and what it contributes to the economy. And she didn't grow up as a hunter um, or an angler. And she said on that panel that the Sportsman's Caucus is her absolute favorite of all the ones that she participates in. It introduced her to hunting and fishing. She told a story about learning how to duck hunt. And that was through the caucus events. It really made a convert of her toward hunting and fishing. And I think it was just a great um, perspective on what the caucus can do, you know, at least at the state level. We're, we're very pleased, and we've got a network, as you know, Drew, we've got a network of, of staff scattered around the country to take advantage of being geographically located and strategically around the country. And so uh, we do try to educate them. We absolutely try to introduce them to shooting, fishing, hunting, things like that. And, and that's a great story, and I'll make sure that uh, Nick and, and who covers things is, is aware that he, he – you got a shout out in it sort of by association. So, well, and that's that's excellent, and I I so appreciate our partnership with you, Jeff. We I've worked with many of your staff across the country on on various different things. I've attended your your yearly event and spoken a time or two, and and just really excited every time. There's a lot of good stuff going on, a lot of good work happening, and I do want to say because. Unfortunately, I neglected our long-standing tradition at first, so let's give you a quick chance to tell us what you've been doing outside, Jeff, and then we'll jump over to, to Colin and let him dive into uh, NWF's history. So um, September's been a little mixed here. We've had a lot of rain here, shot a few doves. Um, the most fun part about that is I've got a 14-year-old dog that uh, I was wondering whether I was going to get him back out again and uh he's a little slow but uh he got to pick up a couple of doves so that was awesome uh a, spent a rainy afternoon last saturday sitting in a deer stand and, and watching mosquitoes thank god for the thermocells but uh, uh it's cooling down october's here i'm hoping to, to really get into it so but uh my favorite time of year this is perfect uh, as fall starts to set up so yep i'll be out count on it Excellent. Well, let's switch over to Colin. Colin, tell us first what you've been doing outside and then uh, dive in a little bit on NWF's history and our sporting history, if you would, please. I oh, no, appreciate that. And it's great to be with all of you and great to be with Jeff, as always. The, um, you know, so I got a, my three-year-old and my eight-year-old. I'm kind of keeping them, keeping track of them all the time outdoors. So, you know, a few less hours, you know, in the blinds and stands and a little more time, you know, trying to teach them to fish. 
but the um you know we've been out a lot this year um been out you know in, in delaware um a lot of the seasons start a little later and i'm you know kind of frankly you know i hadn't been out hunting a few times before before this job but you know jeff's mentorship and some others got kind of more into it you know over the last few years and you know I don't know, teal season starts in a few weeks and, you know, in, in Delaware and then, you know, deer season starts a little bit after that. So you know, I'd like to try to get out. I'm not sure my wife's going to let me kind of get, sneak away for, for a couple of days to do it right. And not just, you know, a little bit of weekend warrior or uh, you know, a few hours before work or a few hours after work, kind of like a lot of our friends do. But um, I've learned a lot. I mean, you know, I think, you know, I, I think this is where the having a great authentic partnerships where you know, Jeff's been kind of a mentor, not just on the policy side, but also, you know, about, you know, becoming a better shot <laughs> things that you know i uh, i had a little bit of training growing up but cutting out away from it and kind of getting back into it now um and i think that's maybe that's a good segue to the the federation's history a little bit which was you know in in 1936 actually let me start 1935 um the president roosevelt commissioned a report about the state of wildlife in the country and it was at the and he asked ding darling thomas beck and eldo leopold to put it together and the report you know basically said that you know wildlife populations were in trouble um that we needed a, a dedicated source of funding that there that there should be much more professional management um and having wildlife biologists making decisions around resource management not politicians and there had to be a lot more education um and that as the depression was in its in its depths um that we were you know destroying the soils on the plain we were cutting things down uh, cutting down trees in some of the uh kind of second growth forests um you know wetlands were being decimated and that we needed a concerted effort and so at the end of that process, you know, the, the uh, Ding Darling, our founder, said, look, it's not enough just to have a report. We should actually hold a conference. We should bring people together across the country to talk about how we're going to implement the recommendations so they don't just collect dust on the shelf. And that was kind of the first North American wildlife conference at the Mayflower Hotel in 1936. Um, more than a thousand people took trains and buggies from all across the country to, to attend folks from all 50 states, folks from provinces in Canada, folks from Mexico. Um, and the cool thing about that gathering is that the sportsman organizations were in the lead and, you know, Boone and Crockett Club was you know, obviously a huge player is one of the kind of the oldest of the sportsman groups. But you had young state wildlife federations or just kind of a kind of fairly ragtag collection at the time. You had giants like, um, you know, giants like Leopold and others that were that were there, um, as well as you had the ornitholo early ornithological societies, early Audubon chapters. Um, some of the 4-H clubs were there, some of the, the, the garden clubs. It was kind of this interesting coalition of folks that all cared about the kind of the rapid deterioration of the, the natural world and the habitat that, that, that you know, the devastation to the habitat that so many species depend upon. And at the end of that three-day session, they actually took a vote to not just have it be a one-day thing, but to actually organize as the National Wildlife Federation. Um, and, and there was first the General Wildlife Federation, then became the National Wildlife Federation a year later. I'm at that same meeting. The, uh, the, the Wildlife Society was formed. Um, it was the, the idea was to have a, a professional society of these budding numbers of wildlife biologists across the country. Um, there's some other things that kind of came out of that. But they, the first piece of advocacy that the National Wildlife Federation and the state affiliates and all these partners really focused on was the legislation that became Pittman-Robertson. Um, and the idea was to take an existing excise tax on munitions and firearms and then and actually apply that to, to wildlife conservation. Um, that 10%, 11% tax that still is the one of the most important kind of sources of wildlife habitat funding in the entire country, entire world for that matter today. Um, and so 18 months later, after this conference, you know, they, this, the um, wildlife restoration um, program is created. And, and from that point, all of a sudden you see this you know, fairly rapid recovery of you know, most, most game birds and 
and of uh, uh, server po server populations across the country. And that was you know, all kind of coming out of this. You know, 15 years later, uh, Dingle Johnson passes um, you know, same, similar coalition, and then going through in the the 1960s, trying to bring more resources for you know things like the Land and Water Conservation Fund, you know, the Wilderness Act, those kind of things. The um, I think the, the movement got a little kind of focused more on regulation in the 60s and 70s, and so you see the Clean Air Act, Clean Water Act, things like that. And and I think one of the things the federations always try to do is is bring together, um, you know, the, the traditional sportsman, uh, sportswoman community with some of the greener elements and show that we have a lot more in common. And and so today, even trying to be a, a bridge that can bring together um, just incredible numbers of folks that care deeply, maybe for different reasons. Some folks because they you know want to make sure there's enough you know ducks at their limit, and other folks are you know thinking about environmental justice or, or climate. But showing that there's a, a whole lot that we can agree upon. Um, and frankly, if we take care of, we kind of we all do better if we all do better. Um, and trying to break through some of the political nonsense as a way to uh, make, make, make progress for the resources we all care about. So we, we fast forwarded from 1936 to, you know, through the 60s and 70s into today. Just a couple of years ago, our two organizations actually entered into a formal memorandum of understanding uh, to work together. Um, what was that about and how did that memorandum come about? Uh, I'll start and Colin can correct me on, on where, where I may take the liberties on it. But I think it, I think it, it preceded that a little bit um, when, when Colin was hired to, to take over his current role at uh, NWF. Um, I got to meet him and I was impressed with his, uh, his vision and, and his ability to want to see things get done. You know, um, I think there are unfortunately a few people that like to talk about stuff and other people that like to talk about it and then make things happen. And I was, I was impressed by that. And so, uh, got to know Colin. We worked to, to get Colin and, and National Wildlife Federation involved uh, with the American Wildlife Conservation Partners. Uh, and, and through that process realized, well, you know, this is a, this is a gigantic organization with far reaching uh, tentacles into all the states and territories with the, all of your guys' state affiliates, um, some of whom we already work with in a, in a big way. And it just seemed as a natural progression from our side. We're working on the same things. And there are things that we don't necessarily work on. And, and we agree, okay, you go this way, we'll go that way. Um, or we won't touch it, you guys do it, or vice versa. And, and But there was enough common ground um, to realize that that we were working on a lot of things together that it just seemed to make sense to kind of formalize this, you know, let everybody know that we were, we were really committed to, to this partnership and, and to the idea that, that by uh, publicly committing to this, that we could make ourselves stronger working together. And that's, that's kind of my take. And so I guess in a long way short, you know, it, it started with just getting to know Colin and, from my side and then watching where, where the direction he was taking, uh, um, NWF. And then it just, as we start to work on policies together here in Congress and, and the covering America's wildlife was coming along, we were already doing that. It just makes sense to me. So I don't know, Colin, you might want to amplify that or correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, no, no. And I appreciate the, I mean, it's very, very kind the way you said it. I think like when, when I first came in, um, yeah, I think the Federation at the national level, at least especially in the DC operation, had you know, you know fallen a little bit afield from our, our, a lot of our, our sportsman partners. Um, and that 
um, you know, a lot of the, the huge strength and kind of our history was so grounded in you know, our, our outdoor heritage and hunting and fishing traditions that I felt like we were, you know, we were missing a big part of the, uh, the power that was needed to do big things. And that, um, and so, you know, very early, I was kind of blessed to meet Jeff and, and, you know, and a few others, um, that were just incredibly generous, kind of, you know, kind of welcoming us back in. Cause I mean, we, we hadn't been part of those conversations at the national level, at the CEO level in 30 years, basically, maybe 35 years. And, um, and it was, it was a couple of things. It was the, uh, the, uh, the work with American Wildlife Conservation Partners and you know, Jeff you know, kind of vouching for me and you know, a few other folks, um, Steve Williams and, and a few others, uh, Dale Hall as well. And, you know, and then also the work together in the Blue Ribbon Panel, which I'm sure we'll get to later. But I think the thing that I, I think I, I just love about you know, working with Jeff and Congressional Sportsman Foundation is that it's a group that just finds a way to get things done, right? Like they don't let like partisanship or like, you know, I don't know. Like so many folks get distracted, right, by like shiny objects or like allow like one bump in the road to kind of derail an entire operation. And I think what what I wanted to do is, I mean, I probably talked to Jeff more than any other CEO that I talked to, um, which probably would come surprising to, to a lot of folks, you know. But I think we're we're in it, right? Our groups are in it. And the reason when, when Jeff suggested the the MOU and kind of had the kind of the types of partnerships he had with other organizations, I got excited because I wanted to move past the relationship that just he and I have towards a relationship across our organizations where, you know, his organizers and, you know, or, you know, Andy or the guys, you know, out West are, are connecting with folks there or, you know, the, the, the DC teams or the state caucuses and really kind of knit our organizations together because you combined, you know, great work by state affiliates with great state caucuses with strong leadership and governors. And all of a sudden, now we're not, now we're not just passing bills in DC. All of a sudden now you're moving legislation in all 50 cap, 50 state capitals. And so one of my goals is to make sure that this partnership is so strong that, you know, if I get hit by a bus tomorrow, that like the partnership between the Federation and CSF is going to endure for, you know, for generations. Um, Cause I do think that like the more that we're working together, the better it is for everybody on the conservation. Thanks Colin. You, you reminded me last time I saw Andy Trahorn, he called me out of the blue and said, Hey, I'm coming through your town. What are you doing? You want to go fishing? And I only answered because I was on a boat and I thought my wife was calling and uh, it wasn't her, it was him. And I said, well, hey, we're on a boat and we're right here. Where are you? And he happened to be about 10 minutes away. So he pulled into the parking lot and we picked him up on the boat and we kept floating and kept fishing. So it was perfect. Thanks, uh, thanks for doing that. I'm sure he appreciated that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was Trey great. logged as a work day too. Yeah, I'm sure they did, which is fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's jump a little to, to what it looks like when we partner together. Um, you know, some of the things we, we do on the Hill you know, working in state legislatures with our different affiliates, you know, maybe Jeff, you can kick us off, you know, how, how it kind of the mechanics of what it takes to, to bring together a lot of different diverse interests and get things done on the Hill and how, how we do that kind of thing together, you know, back on Capitol Hill. So I, I think Colin, Colin really uh, hit it in, in this little segment he just talked about was trying to figure out how do we leverage these caucuses, you know, and how do we how do we give them the the, the real um, support that they need to take on some of these harder issues because it's easy for them to stand there and pass you know proclamations or. Or, or resolutions that don't do anything, but when they really, when we're asking them to take stuff that includes money and, and things like that, then the stronger that, that bipartisan effort is to really leverage power from their communities. And that's really where, again, this partnership with, uh, that Colin eloquently described with the, with the, uh, 
NWF really comes to bear because you guys are, are well represented in every single state around the country with your affiliates and just your, your massive numbers and, and uh, through Collins' leadership and a, and a great staff there, you know, you're able to translate that into, into some real pressure. And, and so not only are you are, are we working sort of at the grass tops inside the beltway with, with Mike Clay and other folks and Laura and folks on, on Collins' team, but um, then the grassroots stuff that you guys can bring to bear. And it, it's obviously paying dividends. And so uh, um, we've got, you know, we, we do not have a member. We're not a membership-based organization. Our members are members of the caucus um, in Washington, the Congressional Caucus, and then the state caucuses that we talked about. And our partners, and and um, so we really, we really are, are, you know, inside the political belt, if you will, as opposed to being able to really leverage that that support from the community. We try to do it through some of our our board members that, that are representing companies and stuff. But uh, the, this kind of relationship uh, with NWF is really critical to to you know tag team and to, to bring pressure from inside and and from back home, basically. And, and from, from my point of view, I mean, I think, I mean, Jeff just and his team has been incredibly generous, um, you know, providing opportunities for us to, you know, spotlight issues. Um, you know, there's nothing better on the Hill than when we can show up together and basically say, you know, whether it's on, you know, Covering America's Wildlife Act or CWD or on, um, you know, issues around funding or, you know, it's a lot of the state level issues. I mean, the number of, you know, federation, you know, staff or affiliate leaders that have been, you know, presenters at the, the national conference that Jeff puts on with the state legislators or, you know, and it's just it's just showing the connectivity, right? And 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 that look, I mean, I think um, we're in a pretty polarized environment right now, right? And then I think you know a lot of times we're kind of seen as a, a kind of slightly maybe a little more center left, and Justin is a little more center right. But when we're together, right, it kind of gives that that a clear signal, right, that we are that we are united, and that there's no political risk to leaning into the issues, you know. And I think you know, and and I think I mean, Jeff's Jeff's ability to navigate the current environment has just been amazing, right? Because I mean, like the the challenges right now, like most folks feel like you have to, you know, kind of be on a side, right? And I think showing that conservation can be bipartisan, showing that there are folks that, you know, again, may not agree on absolutely everything, but agree on 80, 90%, um, and that they're willing to kind of get things done is one of the reasons why we've had these huge victories. I mean, just, and I know we'll get to some of this, but like, I mean, just in the five years that we've been working to close with CSF, right? You got, you know, a huge, a huge, um, the fire fix got done, huge public lands package got done, the Great American Outdoors Act, ASAC's going to move, we'll talk about that later. I mean, in the Obama administration, we helped fix a whole bunch of monuments to make sure that like hunting and fishing was still allowed on those things. There are issues around, you know, appropriations and some, you know, some pieces around like water projects and stuff. And so like the, the it's not theory, right? <laughs> like it actually resulted in real work. And like and a lot of folks that, you know, back home, you know, across the country aren't going to know our names, aren't, maybe not even know our organizations, but they're benefiting from the progress that we've made because of this, you know, kind of partnership that's allowed us to, you know, shed a lot of the, the partisan um, sheen that too often, you know, makes other issues, you know, stuck right now in this, uh, in this environment. Well, particularly with a divided government where you have one party controlling uh, the House, you have one party controlling the Senate. And then we... We got the Great American Outdoors Act done in a divided government because you work together. Um, what you mentioned the ACE Act? Um, let, let's dive into that right now. That is on the verge of of passing. Um, what is the ACE Act? Why is it important for conservation? And why um, is our two organizations working together able to move that? 
Sure. I mean, well, actually, I mean, I feel like Jeff, you've been leading on the sportsman bill for. I feel like this is the remnants of the sportsman bill. It is. You know, <laughs> parts of parts of it, and so uh, after offering it, now I'm taking it back from them. But basically, it, it, it it's again a, a, a bit of a catch-all uh, uh, authorization bill. Um, importantly, for sportsmen, it includes NACA reauthorization at sixty million dollars uh, for five years. Uh, it includes uh, money for a CWD task force, multi-agency task force that's uh, really important, as we know. Um, it uh, authorizes the National Fish Habitat Partnership uh, for five years. And then uh, something near and dear to me and Colin, because uh, we live, I live right near the Chesapeake Bay, is there's uh, considerable funding for, for Chesapeake Bay program. and, and uh, is the, the largest estuary in the United States. And so uh, it is a bit of a catch-all, uh, all important pieces of funding. Uh, it, it should be a fairly easy thing to get done, especially after we did the Great American Outdoors Act, which, uh, um, you know, was a huge price tag compared to this. But as all things in Congress, it gotten out of the Senate on a unanimous consent vote back in January. House had some issues with some of the language. Uh, we were running out of time. We had to renegotiate back to the Senate, uh, working really closely with Colin and his team. We we're working both sides of the aisle on this and uh, got our champions to get it through the Senate again. And now um, now it's sitting in a, in, in a procedural vote that hopefully will go well this afternoon and we'll get uh, out of Congress. And uh, every indication is that, that President Trump will sign it. So sorry, Colin, I kind of kind of offered it and took it back. <laughs> no, I think that's right. And I think the, um, look, I mean, it, it's interesting. The the number of things that have like real substance behind them that have moved in this Congress is actually pretty few, right? And like three of the biggest ones all are in conservation. And the fact that the bar for this to kind of have them get through the Senate was actually getting it unanimous. <laughs> it's, right. it's quite an amazing thing, right? So, I mean, this is a bill that, you know, everyone from Bernie Sanders to like, you know, Mike Lee had to sign off on to allow it to go to the floor. And, and I just can't say enough. So John Barrasso, who's the, the chair of the Natural Resources Committee or the, and the Environmental Public Works Committee in the, uh, in the, uh, in the, in the Senate, uh, working with Tom Carper from Delaware, um, putting together the package. Martin Heinrich did a hell of a job, um, you know, yep. kind of one of our, our big champions. Um, just, you know, playing a little whack-a-mole to make sure no one stood in the way. But the, the thing I love about the ACE Act is that people of goodwill were willing to kind of put enough effort behind it to get it done. Right. This is this is a bill that easily could have died, right? Like there's a million other things going on. There's, you know, there's all kinds of competing needs. The acrimony is pretty high right now. But you know, folks, if folks had issues. They they raised them. And again, I I I'll say I'm usually the optimistic one. I mean, I didn't think when the House started talking about changes to the bill, there'd be a chance to get it back to the Senate. Um, the fact that the senators were willing to entertain those three or four changes, they're all pretty minor, but they're still you know still another round of process. Um, I think it's just a huge sign that conservation is not just good policy. It's also just great politics. And when you have that combination, um, that's where, you know, things can still get done. But, you know, this is a pretty substantial thing. I mean, folks that love to duck hunt, you know, getting NACA reauthorized. So we're not fighting over it every year and not begging for money um, is a big deal, right? I mean, DU and some of our other partners have been working on this for years. And um, it you know, got up to like the two-yard line a bunch of times and kind of stopped in goal line stands or snatched out of one deal. Um, and so it's something that folks can be proud of. And uh, so I encourage folks, you know, they won't get a lot of headlines you know, given everything else that's going on. But, uh, you know, it's another it's another big deal and it's going to help folks in the field across the country uh, enjoy their resources a little bit more.
And it, it just one last comment on it. I mean, there were some senators, we'll leave them nameless, but that did put holds on this. And it took, uh, as Colin said, work from us, but more importantly, work from these champions inside the Senate that uh, um, we identify them as members of the Congressional Sportsman's Caucus, but they're just champions for conservation in general that really had to go in there and lean on guys to say, please, because all it would have taken is one objection and this thing would have been in the ditch and there wouldn't have been time to pull it back out. And so uh, it is it is significant in a, in a lot of levels uh, in terms of getting this passed. And, and uh, I can say we're we're fairly confident I'll get out of the house this afternoon. Thanks, Jeff. And just real quick, some alphabet soup. The ACE Act is the America's Conservation Enhancement Act. We throw around a lot of acronyms. We play inside baseball a lot. I, w I want to ask one other question, too, especially about NACA. NACA has been amazing and critical for so many years, and, and I want folks to know about that a little bit more. So if you if, if one of you wouldn't mind, just give us a broad overview about that, because, I you know, the wetlands disproportionate importance to wildlife and to every part of our country out west here especially you know there's all kinds of numbers thrown around 80 percent of wildlife relies on you know two percent of the wetted landscape uh just talk about that a little bit more especially for our waterfowl hunters and others who who you know wildlife enthusiasts who care about those those critters that rely on that 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 one i think is more important than we think uh, at times and i don't know if everybody understands the depth of that yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll jump in. I mean, I think like 30 years ago, um, and I give you know, President George H.W. Bush a ton of credit. Um, he did two big things on, on wetlands. He had a, adopted a national policy around no net loss, sending a signal that wetlands matter. Um, they're not just to be drained for you know, either drainage or they have less mosquitoes. And they, they passed knockoff. And the, the North American Wetlands Conservation Act, um, you know, gets $50, $60 million a year. That's leveraged several times over to help conserve and restore wetlands across the country. And, you know, my home state of Delaware, we use it all the time. Probably get a disproportionate amount just given the uh, the importance of the habitat there. But, you know, that combined with the, the money from the duck stamp is are the primary funders of you know, wetland conservation country in this country. And the success is phenomenal. I mean, if you, <clears throat> if you look at duck population numbers in the 1970s, you know, they've gone up by 56%, kind of waterfowl as a whole, gone about 56% in that same, in that period. Overall, uh, if you look, if you look at you know kind of bird populations overall, bird populations are down about about 30, 40 percent um, over that same time period. About you know down down about 29 percent, um, about three billion birds down. And so waterfowl is way up because of you know this type of work, because of the contributions of sportsmen with duck stamps, um, because they're dedicated investment. And if anything, one of the things that I, I you know I'm always kind of working on with Jeff and with others is how do we replicate that model? Because if you, you know, for example, like we should have a knockup for grasslands, and there's some proposals that we're working on right now. But if you had the same kind of incentive 30 years ago, you wouldn't have the decline that we're seeing of a whole lot of bunch of grassland birds um, that we're having because we just we just haven't made the investments. Other than CRP and a couple other small tools in the farm bill, there's nothing that's equivalent. So it's like, where we invest? You know, kind of if you build it, they will come. Like <laughs> if you make these investments, the uh, the return is amazing. And you now it's one of the greatest successes just because it's a non-regulatory, voluntary program. Everybody loves it, um, and, the, and the results are the results are spectacular, and they're demonstrable, and they're um, Frankly, it's something we could we could do more of in other areas. Well, Thanks, speaking Colin. of making investments, um, if you build it, the wildlife will come. 
let's talk about the Recovering America with Wildlife Act, um, which is which is seeking to do a similar thing, really, for those those other birds that are that are down by thirty percent, as well as lots of other wildlife. And of course, as we know, habitat is habitat, and when you do something for non-game species, game species are going to benefit from that as well. But what is the Recovering America's Wildlife Act? How did it come about, and where is it now? I'll tell you what. I'll start. I'll start with a little bit of the history because because this is this is also part of Colin's and my friendship. So both Colin and I sat on a blue ribbon panel that was created by the Association of Fish and Wildlife Agencies. It was chaired by former Wyoming Governor Dave Frudenthal and Bass Pro Shops founder Johnny Morris. Uh, and we met for a couple of days on the idea of what are we going to do about, you know, getting more funding to the state agencies in particular to look at species of greatest conservation concern. Uh, and uh, our task was to, to float all the different options, more taxes like the Pittman-Robertson, Dingle-Johnson taxes on equipment, and, and looked at a, a bunch of things. And the consensus out of the panel was that that we had to get bold, we had to get big, we had to get it now. Uh, and, and so... Uh, Originally, the idea was to take some of the royalties off of uh, energy, uh, both onshore and offshore, that were coming on public lands and public waters and, and redirect some of that revenue, existing revenue stream. So we weren't going to be goring anybody else's cow um, that was going into the treasury and redirect it back for this sole purpose. Use the Pittman Robertson account that uh, was set up already uh, and, and direct it and then apportion it back on a, on a on a formula, um, I think the idea was was well received, and I remember Dave Frudenthal in particular was the, the more boisterous of the two uh, co-chairs. Basically, tapped me on the shoulder and said, uh, I'm "Making you the chair of our legislative policy committee." Uh, and I asked him, "I said, do I have any say in this?" He goes, "No." You and I said, "Okay." Then one proviso: I get to pick a co-chair to go with me. And he said, pick away. And so I did pretty much the same thing. Colin, of course, said yes. And uh, he and I basically, thanks to Dave Brudenthal, putting a big arm around me and him, just sort of said, you guys do this. And so um, that's where that's where the beginning of the, of, of the idea of raw law as a formal legislative idea uh, came out of it. To this day, Colin, Colin and I, but I got to really give more credit to it, to Certainly, my staff and his staff, in terms of really being down in the weeds, we meeting weekly in the alliance that has been created to support this effort. Uh, but he and I are still are the, the co-chairs. Hence, the uh, Aaron, as you mentioned at the top of the show, that the recognition from Alpha for for our our leads on that is because of frankly, because of Dave Prudenthal. <laughs> so with that, I'll let Colin talk a little bit more about the bill and some of the progress, but that's uh, kind of how the, how the world turns when you're sitting at Johnny Morris's uh, uh, Big Cedar Lodge and, and the governor just puts his arm around you and says, thanks for volunteering. Well, what can you say, you know? <laughs> so, it's you funny. It was one of those moments where I, I feel like, I feel like it, was, it was feeling like what it must have been be, to be like, kind of like manhandled by like Lyndon Johnson back in the day, right? right. Where like, you're, you're not volunteer, you're, you're voluntold, right? Like, right. Just like, you know, and Jeff wrote me into it. And I, like, I think it's the, it's the third leg of the stool, right? Like, you know, I mean, the, the amazing success we've had over the years with, you know, mammals and birds, um, you know, could be waterfowl. The you know the huge success that we've had with um, with with sportfish and obviously some more work to do there, 
but sorry, my our three my three year old may be joining us any second. She's she's gotten free. Um, now we the 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 rest of the funding for wildlife has been sporadic, right? I mean, until the 1980s, there was almost nothing um, until like you know the early conversations around the state wildlife grants. Um, you know, state wildlife action plans uh, come along and they're great, but it's basically an unfunded mandate where, you know, states put together these phenomenal plans that are incredibly collaborative and really thoughtful across habitat types and around different threats. Um, you know, and then we, we put together these plans and, you know, we estimate that on an average year, they're going to cost you know, about $1.5, $1.6 billion to, to enact. And then we, we basically say, oh, here's $60 million and we spread it across the entire country. You know, and so we're getting, you know, cents on the dollar compared to what, you know, what the need is. And the, um, I think the, re- the reason I'm excited about the Recovering America's Wildlife Act is that it's stitching together the type of coalition that I think, you know, the, the National Wildlife Federation is founded with thinking, right? Like bringing together, you know, the, the, the greatest sportsmen and sportswomen organizations in the country, you know, with some of the greener groups, with some of the land conservation groups, with, you know, the industries, I mean, the folks, and, and basically realizing that the... The, the, I would argue the failing of the Endangered Species Act um, was that that we allowed what was supposed to be a tool of last resort to become a tool, in many cases, of, of primary resort because we haven't done the preventative work to try to prevent species from getting to the emergency room. And that a lot of litigation, a lot of regulation, a lot of frustration on the landscape that's emerged over the last 30, 40 years is because we're not kind of investing that ounce of prevention. And so instead, we're getting stuck with that pound of cure. And it ends up being a pretty contentious pound of cure. So, you know, this is a way to kind of reset uh, the model towards a more collaborative, um, more collaborative style. I mean, the state agencies have proven that they have an unbelievable track record of bringing back species that they have resources to, to work on. And so it's a matter of, you know, kind of, again, and there's an evolution they'll have to go through too as they're diversifying their staff and as they're having you know, different skill sets and you know, maybe a few, maybe in addition to the massive number of you know, deer and duck biologists they have, having you know, biologists for, you know, for all species. But it's a, um, it's, it's, I think it's how we should be doing conservation in this country, right? I mean, like, you know, there are places where regulation is necessary, but that should be the last resort, you know, not the, um, you know, not the first turn. And this can shift that. And the, the exciting thing about that frame is that you got Democrats that really love the idea of bringing back species and, you know, investing in resilience and really making, um, you know, habitat be able to endure for decades to come. You got Republicans that care deeply about species and care about the landscape and also just don't want um, to, you know, have regulation in, impacting the ability of folks to, to, you know, support their family and, and do projects and the like. And so there's this great convergence. And so I think, you know, the Blue Ribbon Panel was set up that way. We had industry together with conservation groups and others. The coalition we built is the same thing. And then you got great leaders like, like Debbie Dingo, who's, you know, like one of Jeff's co-chairs and Jeff Fortenberry is also a member of the, of the caucus and, you know, guys like you know, Martin Heinrich and Joe Manchin and, Roy Blunt and, and Rob Portman and others that are, are interested. And so it's just, it's a great convergence where just like the Great American Outdoors Act, you could have the same level of uh, bipartisan support. And now because of that, we were able to actually pass it through a, a version of it through the House of Representatives as part of an infrastructure package on a voice vote. I mean, it was unanimous, basically. There was so much support for it, or at least no organized opposition to it, that, um, you know, it got attached to a pretty big package. Um, it's one of the only bipartisan parts of that of that package. And so I'm pretty proud of that. And I think it sets us up for a uh, hopefully a pretty good run at getting it done in the next six months. I love this bill. I think, you know, most of the sportsmen and women that I know all are just general wildlife admirers, right? They like to see any kind of wildlife and, you know, have some of their most incredible experiences actually while hunting too. I, I once saw four mountain lions in one day while I was hunting. Wasn't hunting mountain lion. 
was hunting elk, but that was an incredible experience that never could have happened without uh, being a hunter and, and having conservation. We talk about, talk a little bit, Colin or, or Jeff, either of you, where is this right now? What else do we need to do to push it over the finish line? This, this, you know, once again, another, I keep saying once in a generation because we got the public lands package done. We got uh, great American outdoors act. We're looking at ACE. We're looking at these huge conservation victories, which I think is a testament to our work together uh, in, in, in a divided government. But, but talk about what else we need to do to get this one over the finish line. Well, I'll start and let Colin finish on this one, but, um, you know, Aaron, to your point exactly, we have, we have demonstrated time and time again that we can succeed if we work together and, and we paint the clear benefits to to conservation and wildlife, but also to the elected officials. Why should I support this? Why should I step out? It's another over a billion dollar a year bill, you know, and 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 so um, we got to paint them and tell the right message to get this done. Uh, and and you know, Colin Colin made the point very clearly that that uh, you're going to pay for it now or you're going to pay for it later. Uh, and later is usually going to be a whole lot more expensive and uh, nobody's going to be happy with the stuff that the courts ultimately will be the ones deciding on it. And it's just not the way to do wildlife management. And so I think we've got a lot of positive momentum. Uh, we demonstrated certainly with ASAC that you can take something and, and turn it around and, and a, fairly short order if you get the right people in your corner. Uh, and so um, our, our biggest challenge is there are not that many legislative days left uh, in, in this Congress. And so, but um, we are already meeting, talking, we got a meeting tomorrow to, you know, talk about pre-election, post-election strategy. And, and uh, uh, you can be sure we're going to put our best, best, combined effort, collective effort together, and we're going to go to our champions in the House and the Senate and ask them to, to really help us lean in on this. And, and I mean, this would be the most remarkable Congress in, in maybe the history of the country, certainly in our lifetimes, in terms of conservation and, and pro sportsmen's wins. And as you said, it's a divided Congress, uh, the Republican-controlled Senate and the Democrat-controlled House. And um, that speaks volumes to how, how important this is and, 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 you know, the success that we've been able to, to garner. And we're riding a wave, so I want to try to see if we can finish uh, riding it all the way to the beach here, you know, with the, with the wind and Rawa. So, Colin, what do you got to add? Yeah, I, and like, like I think, I think the biggest um, you know, request for all your listeners is just, you know, we've got to keep, the, got to keep it at a high profile. Um, you know, I think there's, there's a lot out there right now. I think showing how it's responsive to the moment, like we're going to have to create, you know, help create conditions where we can support, you know, millions of jobs being created as we're trying to you know, grow our way out of this uh, recession that we're, that we're going to be in right now because of the pandemic and, you know, investments in, in habitat, investments in implementing state wildlife action plans can create hundreds of thousands of jobs, um, you know, in ways that are going to help in every part of the country, you know, in every, in every community. And, and I think, you know, we're, we're, I think we're, you know, pretty good at talking about the biological imperative and the, the need for helping all these species that are in trouble and the one third of species that are at heightened risk and all of that. Um, I think we also have to win the, the economic argument. And like Jeff said, you know, it's a hell of a lot cheaper to, to save a species when their populations are just dipping a little bit before they've cratered, right? I mean, at that point, then, you know, you're in that emergency room and it gets really expensive. 
And so, you know, I, I think it's a pretty compelling case, right? It's going to create jobs in the short term and it's going to reduce economic uncertainty in the long term. And you're going to save all these species and you're going to have more kind of outdoor opportunities and a stronger outdoor economy. I mean, that's a pretty good win, 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 win. Um, and just it's just a matter of, you know, making sure the profile is high enough that if there is a big recovery package or if there is a, you know, an opportunity at the end of the year or an opportunity in an infrastructure package, that um, there's enough folks screaming saying, hey, this has got to be included um, for all these reasons. And if we do that, you know, like Jeff said, I mean, this would be, you know, an absolutely historic few years of, uh, of conservation victories. That's probably a good segue, Colin. You know, there's a few priorities that we all need to work on together that are that are kind of in a unique moment in history right now uh, that we need to that we need to do. Let's let's talk about collectively. What are we looking at these two organizations working on together and, and thinking about moving forward and with the opportunities we see on the horizon here? Yeah, I'll start with two. Um, like, I mean, I think obviously recovering is, is front and center. Um, like, we got to figure out the funding issues around wildlife diseases. Um, the chronic wasting disease scourge is getting worse. Um, you know, you're seeing all kinds of issues. And, and states, as their state budgets crash, um, and there's, I mean, the issues going on in Michigan right now, the issues going on in Wisconsin. Um, you know, if we don't get ahead of this, we could see some of the progress that we've made actually fall away and then also not make more, more progress on the actual scientific advancement side and hopefully you know, eradicating the disease. Um, and there's some, again, there's some stuff in the ASAC that moves us in that direction, um, but now obviously not, not, not quite enough. Um, I think there's huge opportunities um, through, through infrastructure packages to make sure that habitat restoration, investments in access um, are a, a big part of the economic recovery for this country, right? I mean, if we've learned anything during the pandemic, it's that folks are turning to nature, you know, folks that aren't particularly outdoorsy even, right, are turning to nature as a, just for exercise or sanity or just like, you know, to kind of, kind of reconnect and just feel a little more grounded. Um, we gotta, we gotta keep that up. Right. I mean, I, I worry that, you know, once there's a vaccine, folks will get back in their cars and, you know, get back to the rat race and everything else. And so how do we, you know, encourage folks to enjoy the outdoors you know, and make investments that are going to you know, create jobs, but also you know, expand opportunities for folks. And, you know, I want all the kids that went out fishing for the first time during the pandemic because you know there was opportunities because their you know, parents were around a little bit more and those kind of things. How do we make sure that that's not just a blip in time, but that's really just a change in the way that we, you know, we, we enjoy our incredible natural resources. Um, and I want to make sure that that's you know not lost. So I think there's big opportunities. I mean, Jeff, you've been doing a ton of stuff on the fishery side and like you know some of these policy things they haven't quite gotten done yet. But there seems to be some big opportunities to uh, to you know, create the kind of world that we want. And, and, and yeah, 100% on, on that. And let's not forget, you know, um, it was great to get the president to sign the Great American Outdoors Act. Um, there is nearly $10 billion of funding that's going to be sitting out there. Um, we are already engaged along with NWF and others to, to really make sure that there's a voice at the table for how that money is going to be spent. Uh, and the same thing with the LWCF component of that. Uh, importantly in that, for the sportsman's community, there's the Making Public Lands Public component of that that sets aside $15 million a year for access-only um, projects to try to create more access and opportunity, physical access, uh, and opportunity to get into some of those landlocked lands. I mean, these are the kinds of things we deliver these uh, collectively as a community to the, to our fellow sportsmen and women, they're going to really feel the difference on this kind of stuff. So uh, it's great to get the bill passed. Um, now it's the due diligence to make sure that that funding actually hits the priority projects, um, does the most good for wildlife and for and for our ability to enjoy it. And, and, and 
we're heavily involved in that as as, as are you guys and uh, um, we got to keep we got to keep uh, our eye on that and really keep our pulse and our hand down on that or you know it's gonna it's gonna waffle you know and we can't afford to have that happen so yeah and, and I think to that point I mean I, I do think that you know as, as your listeners are thinking about places that you know are landlocked or places that you know that a little bit of an investment would go a long way or you know derelict um, you know facilities that just need to be upgraded I mean the, the quicker they can give voice to those places you know and I know that our affiliates and you know the Jeff state caucuses and things are beginning to build those lists but I mean that, that's going to matter um, because I mean folks are looking for where they're going to get the biggest bang for the buck and that program's going to exist I mean the the, the, the the parks and kind of public lands part of that's going to be about five years. The other piece, obviously, is in perpetuity, the Land and Water Conservation Fund. Right. Now, and the other thing I would, you know, I think that you know, Jeff and I spent a lot of time thinking about is what are the other projects that, if there is a bigger infrastructure conversation that are make make a big difference on the natural resource side, could be folded in. And so I think of things like you know coastal restoration in the Gulf. Right. Obviously, you know, duck hunter paradise that, you know, we're losing the you know, football field every I don't know, minute or whatever it is. You know, the um, the, the Brandon, Lawton, Brandon Road you know, project, right? Like seven hundred million dollars, not a lot of money in a multi-trillion dollar package. But obviously trying to prevent more Asian carp from you know, getting into the into the Great Lakes. You know, some of the issues around, you know, some of the fish passage in the northwest, um, some of the issues around, you know, water, water flows in the, in the southwest. I mean, there's, there's a whole bunch of things that would have huge benefit to you know, hunters and anglers across the country. Um, if we can, you know, kind of make the right, make the right investments. And it's part of those. And, and frankly, again, they're all things that create jobs. They frankly create more jobs than a lot of other types of investment because they're, they require less equipment. They require you know, less materials. Um, they tend to be more labor intensive. So you actually get more kind of jobs for your buck. This is why, you know, Franklin Roosevelt invested so heavily in the civilian conservation corps, you know, which we've been talking a lot about as a way to get more young folks out in the landscape doing work. But I, I think there's a ton of opportunities, but it's all got to be framed through how it's going to help kind of build the country back stronger as opposed to, you know, just another spending program at the federal level. I love the symbiosis between, you know, getting people outside, taking care of habitat, keeping people hunting and fishing, you know, at the same time, I always say habitat equals opportunity, right? So if we pick, fix this habitat and there's more habitat near people and, and at the same time to, to put the country back to work and, and rebuild our economy, I, I just couldn't imagine a better setup to, to really do what needs done, you know, in modern conservation right now. I know, I know we're getting towards the end of the time, gentlemen, and, and we want to respect your time. You're busy guys. Uh, we, we did want to talk real quick again, just, just about this awful award and, and just, you know, we, we, we were, this one was close to us and, you know, both because it was important for what it did, but also an old friend, Dan Eichinger was the guy who nominated you. My old boss. <laughs> Drew's old boss uh, up in Michigan. He he was a former executive director of the Michigan United Conservation Club. Just just a friend of conservation, and we just want to say thank you again for the work you're doing. It, it's an honor to work for and with these two organizations, and and to be part of the the leadership that's really looking forward to the new kinds of things that we need to do to bring this country back where it needs to be, both for fish and wildlife and people and habitat. So. I'll just say thank you and, and bid you farewell and, and offer the opportunity to, to leave us with any last parting words. So I, I one, thank you guys for, for having me on the show. It's been it, uh, hours flown by. So thanks. Um, I, I mentioned earlier that the, the award recognition, while it might have uh, 
Collins and my names on it. Um, they really go to the organizations, uh, the people that we have working with us. In my case, Andy Tree, Arn Taylor Schmitz in particular, uh, really are, are, are doing the yeoman's lifting inside of here. But uh, uh, I look forward to, to building on this relationship. I um, greatly appreciate the friendship with Colin uh, and a lot of the people at, at the National Wildlife Federation. And, and again, just look forward to bigger and better things. And uh, happy hunting and good luck this fall to everybody. Yeah, and I'll just, I'll just reiterate Jeff's, Jeff's comment. I mean, I think, you know, we're blessed with an incredible, you know, team and Federation family and all of our affiliates that, you know, have really embraced this. And, you know, and it's, you know, I mean, I think about all the work of folks like, you know, like Mike Leahy and Jill and you know, Naomi and folks that have been carrying it day to day, but then the bigger team, right, that's been, you know, supporting it. Um, and I think, like, one of the things that, you know, our community um, in general has been, I think, sometimes guilty of is, is, is you know, in the past is thinking small. And, you know, kind of looking for crumbs and kind of trying to get scraps here and there, you know, under Jeff's leadership, um, you know, I think there's, you know, folks are thinking big, right? I mean, the Great American Outdoors Act is a big deal, right? The Recovering America's Wildlife Act is a big deal. And these are things that um, are transformative on the, on the landscape. And, and, the, um, and, and I think that, you know, success begets success, right? I mean, this is the kind, this is the kind of, um, you know, the conservation legacy that you know, I think previous generations would be proud of. Right? I mean, these, I think these are things that, you know, Roosevelt himself, right, or folks like Leopold would be proud of. And the fact that we're doing it in this environment and given all the other chaos is a, uh, is a testament just to the, how strong the partnerships are and how vast the potential is and also just how much the public supports this stuff, right? And so it's just like, you know, I can't say enough about CSF as an organization, Jeff as a leader, um, because, you know, this in like 100 years from now, they're not going to remember our names. But they're still going to be benefiting from the stuff that we're doing right now. And that's a pretty cool legacy. And I'm just grateful to be a part of it. Excellent way to finish up, Colin. Thank you, gentlemen. Appreciate your time. Keep doing that excellent work and, and let us know how we can help you. And happy hunting and ha have a good fall and, and holidays following that. Take care, guys. Thanks. We are NWF Outdoors.